Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Liberty Church Sermon B-Side Podcast. My name is Matt Luloyan. And today, sitting in for Steve King is the one, the only, Bob Carvella. Bob, welcome. Once again, you're becoming quite a staple, actually, to the Liberty B-Side podcast. A, a semi-regular. A semi-regular. Not a yes. staple yet. No, not a staple. We would, we would need semi- clarification on what uh, when does a, a semi-regular become a, yeah. a staple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, more than, this is my fourth time, so i got to get more than four. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like three of those four have come... Pretty rapid fire in the last couple months. Yeah, yeah, a little more quickly lately. So yeah, and I was told last time some of the some of the feedback, the listener feedback from last time that I got was yeah. that I think it was uh, when Steve and I were on. So okay. the last time I was on, I was on with Steve. Um, Steve and I both like baseball a lot. Yeah. So yeah. early on, we were starting to talk about baseball, and you did, I yeah, I did get a little bit of feedback from one of our listeners who said, <laughs> "Time to move along, boys." So, okay. Time to move along on the baseball talk. Yeah, so we'll, we'll limit the baseball talk. Today. You know what we don't have on the Liberty Sermon B-Side podcast? What's that? We don't have like a shock jock yet. We don't, So there is a role open. If you, <laughs> become, if, if you would like to become the shock jock and really just be provocative and get people fired up and riled up, get some sensors, you know, writing in to try to get us off of the, the cloud, as it were. Yeah, Some somehow I think. Most people in Liberty, when they think, if and when they think about me, shock jock probably doesn't exactly enter their thinking. But that's that's where that's where you'd be sneaky. It would just it would go. Oh yeah, would, yeah. Associate yeah. pastor of congregational care and shock jock Bob Carvella on the Liberty Sermon B Side podcast. Yeah, that would be uh, interesting. That would be. Well, yeah. So Steve is uh, is out this week. So you've got Bob and I uh, holding down the fort, and. Um, Bob, I'll turn it over to you since uh, since I I was preaching yesterday. We'll let you kind of run the the questions and, and conversation from here. So feel free to, yeah. to jump in. So I thought it was a really good sermon. I mean, really, uh, this series just is coming at a really good time. I think for myself and for a lot of people, just to mm. to spend some time uh, considering the goodness of God uh, from various aspects. And, you know, like we've talked about before, the gospel has various facets, facets. So looking at the goodness of God, we can do that from various angles and approaches. And Psalm 145 was just a great, um, great passage to consider yesterday. Uh, maybe, you know, if you could give a 60 or 90 second recap on the kinds of things that, that, uh, went into, uh, your thinking as you prepared the sermon and delivered it and the kinds of points that you covered yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. It, uh, so in this series, we're kind of weaving in and out of these different ways to understand and look at the goodness of God. Um, we want to both zoom in to the real and, and identify and acknowledge and speak honestly about the real struggles that we have with the goodness of God that are legitimate and that we all go through in life and to normalize those and to give people camaraderie um, when they wrestle with seeing a gap between their circumstances and God's goodness. We also want to, in this series, as we're mapping out the whole thing, um, bring the appropriate um, rebuke might be too strong of a word, but, but it's certainly at least perspective 
and at least injecting the truth into those things to say, um, hey, God really is good. And we actually really need to look for that and see that and not just get overly consumed by our circumstances to the point where we start to doubt this foundational reality of God's nature and character. And so yesterday in Psalm 145, it was more that second type of the goodness of God's series where like um, in the first week and the third week when Steve Huber preached, it was more let's zoom in on the question of goodness, doubting the goodness of God. Bob, more when you preached and I preached yesterday, we've been kind of a little bit more on the, hey, look at the reality of things. Look at the actual big picture of things and the goodness of God. So Psalm 145 is this psalm of praise from David. It's the last psalm. Uh, that David that's attributed to David in the book of Psalms. And we looked at it, uh, really two things from it, the scope of God's goodness and the scope of our response. So we were looking at all these different words and images and, and, and evidences that David lists for um, the nature and character of God and his goodness. Uh, and then the scope of our response, all these different kind of ways we were, you know, blessing, extolling, praising, giving thanks, singing aloud, all these um, responses that are, that that's meant to elicit from us. And really, I guess if I had to take all of that and put it into one main point, it would be that we need to not evaluate God through the lenses of our circumstances, that it's actually good for us in the right way to feel small and to remember that God and his story is so much bigger than my life and my circumstances. And that actually will help me see that his goodness is so much broader than whether I'm whether I'm really, it's really easy for me to see God's goodness in my circumstances, or it's really hard today to locate my life in this bigger story of God reminds me that the scope of his goodness is not just based on, on me. Yeah. That, that was the, the point actually that I, really stood out to me yesterday is, is we do, at least I do tend to evaluate uh, God's character in light of our current circumstances. Yeah. So, you know, when when the sun is shining and the grass is green, it's real easy to meditate on the goodness of God. And, and you know, way back in my college uh, ministry days, we would sing, God is so good. He's so good yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. And, and that, you know, yep. you can sing that when everything's going well. Yeah. Can you sing it when things are, you know, when your life circumstances are more difficult? And Absolutely, it's more difficult to sing a song like that in those circumstances. It is. But when you when you keep in mind what God is doing through all of history and and through Christ, His death and resurrection, and and His story of redeeming the world mm-hmm. um, and redeeming our lives, it, it that that's when you need to hang on to those truths yeah. in those moments that, you know, God is at work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's important to hear that particularly in those times. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive and it's certainly countercultural to, and I was wondering, and we didn't end up getting any questions on this. We did get one question or a request for clarification, maybe more, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. But um, the I did we didn't get any questions on that idea of you know that I, I said toward the end of the sermon that I hope you feel smaller when you leave today than when you came. I hope your circumstances feel appropriately smaller, and wondered kind of if that would be if that would rub some people the wrong way. Um, it's certainly counterintuitive and countercultural to to like tell someone to be smaller, um, where, especially when our circumstances are bad, we want to, 
we do want to pay attention to them. We don't, we don't want to sweep stuff under the rug. Um, but I think so much of the, the broader cultural message to people today is like, you are the center of the world. You focus, hyper-focus on yourself. Get yourself right. Get, get that stuff worked out in yourself. And then you can kind of move back out to re-engage with anything beyond yourself. And I think that's where the gospel is countercultural to say, actually, what will be incredibly helpful and comforting to you is if you can step outside of your circumstances for a minute, not see them as un- as insignificant or like they don't matter, not see not to ever see yourself as some right. kind of cog in God's machine or that you just that you don't you don't matter to him. Um, but that your circumstances are located within this much broader scope of who God is and his, his work in the world and to not get so cons- like one of the things that compounds hardship and struggle and questioning and doubts is when we just get um, turned in on ourselves and we just can't break out of it. We yeah. just get so hyper locked in on, on our own lives that we miss this other stuff. And, and often the, the key to um, not like it just like, you know, rubber stamps, everything puts a bandaid on it, makes it all better. But the key to kind of breaking out of some of that spiral that you can feel like you're in is actually, is actually feeling smaller and remembering that there is more outside yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can bring that back into those circumstances. And like you say, does it automatically, you know, make it all go away? No, uh, probably not. Yeah. Um, but, but now you have some handholds that, that really, can help you get through those times. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, good. So, maybe just expand on that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was thinking about, and this is another, you know, if Maxwell House, Maxwell House Coffee was a dated <laughs> reference, let's throw another dated reference in. I was remembering that back in the mid-70s, Steve Martin's breakthrough comedy album was mm. called Let's Get Small. Let's Get Small. I don't think he was making a theological point okay. uh, in that okay. album, but yeah, so Let's yeah. Get Small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how how do you then um, um, understand your smallness in light of God's big picture, but yet still not uh, then lapse into thinking uh, of yourself or your circumstances as insignificant. Yeah. Yep. That's really good. And I think it's a, there's a little bit of a both and here where those of us who tend to be more comfortable with the idea of us being small and maybe emphasizing the, you know, the, the greatness and glory of God, we're small, probably also carry a lot of, um, you know, um, probably also don't engage enough with the, the pains and sorrows of life. Probably don't give them enough attention. Probably just try to have a little bit more of a, you know, soldier on mentality, a stoic mentality where we just say, you know what my life is, but my life isn't that important. I'm just this kind of like, you know, I'm a pawn in God's, in God's greater plan for things. And he just kind of moves me around like the pieces on a chessboard. Mm-hmm. So for those folks, I would say they probably feel, they probably appropriately feel small, they but they, they might not, uh, for example, give enough attention to a psalm like Psalm 8. Yeah, that's just what I turn to. There you go. Yeah. So, so if you hold Psalm 145 next to Psalm 8, I think you find this right combination where 
it is so much more about this bigger story of who God is and all that he's all of his mighty acts in the world, that he's the God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, good to all, his mercies over all that he's made. Psalm 145. You are you are not the sum total and focus of God's work in the world. And at the very same time, Psalm 8, he has crowned you and I, Bob, you know, and, uh, and men and women, his image bearers, um, he's crowned them with some of his own splendor, some of his own glory. Yeah. He's made us a little bit lower than the angel. I mean, he has imparted such value and worth to our lives as the one who created us. Yeah. And so you're holding those things constantly in tension of saying, um, I'm not the point of all of this, but I am incredibly loved and valued oh, yeah. by the one who, who is the point of all of this. And I think, you're, you're kind of in that, in that continual, um, you know, finding the sweet spot of that. If it's a tennis racket and you've got these tension, you know, these strings that have these tensions in them and there's a sweet spot in the middle, the sweet spot maybe is held, is, is held in the middle of this tension between a Psalm eight and a Psalm 145 yeah. kind of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think of one of my favorite Bible stories is right after Christ's resurrection, um, his interaction with Mary, hmm. that, you know, he just conquered sin and death. Yeah. And his first interaction after that is with a woman who was his friend who he cared for hmm. and who was very sad that that Jesus was missing. She didn't, yeah. it was dead, and now he's missing. She doesn't know where he is. Yeah. You know, you think of the... the, um, the um, comprehensive nature of that victory at that moment hmm. he could have done his victory lap you know spike the football all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah he cared about this one particular person hmm. in that moment hmm. and and yeah he uh, sort of like what we say when we baptize people here for you christ came hmm. for you he died for yeah. you he rose again yeah um yeah so there's transcendent truth but it's a personal reality for us because of Christ. That's really good. Yeah. That's another, that's another way to talk about this exact same thing is um, the transcendence of God and the imminence of God. Those yeah. are the two kind of big theological terms, right? Transcendence. He is other, he is over uh, all that he made distinct from it. And it's all about his glory. It's his story, not ours, but imminence means that he is not far from us. He's near to us, that he does deeply love us. Um, and so, You've got, and even from like a, you know, a care perspective pastorally, um, if, if you navigate these things incredibly carefully with people. So like someone that's really wrestling deeply with the goodness of God, my, my MO is to start with the imminence and to start with, so in, in light of yesterday's sermon, to start with saying you're, you, you matter and your, yeah. and your circumstances matter and to just walk alongside those person, to weep with those who are weeping, to, to like enter into the sorrow and just try to be present with people in it. Yeah. I think if, if you walk with people for then a period of time, well, that message has been established and clear. There are appropriate moments within there to point them to, hey, I'm, you know, I'm with you. You know, I love you in this. You know, your, your circumstances matter to me. And also, I think you're getting so wrapped up in your circumstances. You're having a hard time. You're, you're missing the forest for the trees. You're having a hard time missing that there's actually things going on beyond you and outside you, even if you can't see them as clearly right now, that that actually do point to God's God's action and presence and goodness, even though your circumstances make that make that really hard yeah. to see. Yeah, I, sure. I think 
there, there might be certain times, maybe if you know people really well, where you already know them enough or maybe they have a tendency to always blow everything out of proportion or something that you maybe would go in and start with the, you know, start with more of the transcendence and right. call someone to feel small. Um, I think most of the time relationally and from a compassion and care standpoint, it's good to give people the benefit of a doubt and, and, and not even that, but just to acknowledge the reality of the sure. enter into their situation and, and enter yeah. into it. So I think that's, there's a, but there we're, we're kind of talking about the, the tension here yeah. and I certainly would not have wanted, that's why I was trying to frame it yesterday of saying, you know, I hope you hear this in the best possible way <laughs> and that in the, in the, in the right way, you feel smaller that, mm-hmm. that in the right way. You kind of walk out of a worship service in a, in a sermon, looking at Psalm 145 thinking, ah, this is a story that's bigger than me, that there's a relief that comes from Yes. That there's relief and a sense of um, comfort that just comes from saying, um, I am not at the center of all of this. God is. There's there's things that he's doing that are beyond me. And I actually can can take like a deep breath from my circumstances today, knowing yeah. that bigger picture. Yeah, for sure. So we did get one question, and like you say, it's more of a uh, request for a clarification on yeah. a, a point you made, yeah. dur- not even a point you made, but just something you alluded to during the sermon. So here's what we have. It says, it may be a good idea to clarify the portion of the sermon on sexuality. I was The questioner says, I was left rather confused as to what point Matt was making and given the explosiveness of that topic, it may be worthy for some further discussion. Yeah. So yeah. during one of the points that you were uh, making during your sermon, you alluded to a podcast mm-hmm. uh, that you had recently listened to where the, the podcaster said that in the context of um, sexuality and some of the purity ethic that was prominent in the 80s, 90s, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the podcaster said that the um, Christian church had done more harm than good in that realm over the past 20 or 30 years. And and, um, so you mentioned that during the sermon. Maybe you could clarify that a little more, how that fit into the point you were making. Yeah, really, really glad that this person asked that, that, that clarification and can totally see how that felt like a tangent to what we were talking about yesterday. Um, Looking back through notes and thinking about yesterday, that that came from um, uh, this kind of sub point that I was making that if we skip over God's foundational goodness enough, we start to become blind. That if we kind of if we just kind of assume all of the, the the broader ideas of what God is doing in the world that are good, and we become too myopic, too narrowly focused on where we see gaps, where we see gaps between our circumstances and God's claim to be good. That we, that we miss some really significant things. And so that was just one example of that that came to mind for me recently, where the, the, in this conversation, I think these, these contributors were becoming so narrowly, uh, focused on the abuses that have come through Christian purity culture, shaming people, silencing people, um, not actually giving people a view of sex as a good gift given by God to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. Um, that they were so focused on the damage that's been done from some of the abuses of that, that all of a sudden they made this comment that was very arrogant and or ignorant that said that Christian sexual ethic has done more harm than good in the past several decades. That's that, that's that narrow nearsighted view. That's, that's my, you know, the, my, the myopic yeah. perspective because you have to skip over so much of the foundational goodness of, 
God's design for human sexuality that is the only design that's meant for people's flourishing and thriving and for their care and for their protection. And not that there aren't hard things to, to work out about that. Um, but, um, and not that there aren't, you know, like they were talking about in this podcast, uh, ways that Christians have taken that and, and applied it in, even if with good intent in, in ways that have done a lot of damage, we gotta, we gotta acknowledge those things. But that comment struck me as being one of those examples of like, uh Oh, we're like, we're way too narrowly focused here. We got to zoom back out. We got to widen our perspective to see the bigger view um, and not be so fixated on the gap that we miss the scope of God's goodness in the, in the specific expression of, of a good design for sexuality. Yeah. So that's where it fit in my mind as an example of something as it, as it relates to, and, and as this, as this person, as a questioner, uh, mentioned a hot button um, topic culturally. Sure. So I don't know if that's, does that Bob prompt any other follow-up questions or thoughts it, about that? Well, it, it just, it does just seem to me that in the moment that we live in, uh, and this would apply to a lot of different areas, not just sexuality, racial issues, those kinds of things that, that it's like the, the miss or the gap becomes the focal point. Yep. And so everything is defined by where the Christian church may have missed yep. or some people within the Christian church may have missed in terms of sexuality or understanding of race or other issues. And the gap or the shortcomings mm-hmm. become how that whole issue is defined. And, yeah. and that's the problem. It is a problem. Yep. But that that's not to say that the Christian church has not done a lot of good things in the areas of sexuality yeah. or race or some of the other yeah. contemporary issues that we're dealing with. So, yeah, it, it, but it just, you know, everything right now is, is hyper. Yep. I, I don't even know why, but you know, yeah. it just becomes defined by the miss rather than being able to see, but there's a lot of good that the yeah. Christian church has done in those areas yep. rooted in scripture over the years. So the, the miss becomes the whole story. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that's when you're saying that that's what the, 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 the ways we've missed. And I, I mean, you could apply the same thing, not just to Christian sexual ethic, but to leadership in the church. Yes. And so the way we, the way leaders have missed the way leaders have been heavy handed or domineering or, you know, big public examples of that, that have played out. That's become the whole story. That's become, that's, that's like now we, now we're so we've blown up um, these, these misses into like, that's the whole thing now. And we've just assumed and skipped over all of the ways that there have been beautiful examples of, um, of like faithful, sacrificial servant leadership, you know, if we're using that topic or, um, the good things that the Christian sexual ethic has done in, even in our, in our society for the past hundreds of years and the kinds of things that have been, people have been protected from, that wouldn't have been protected from otherwise. And the, the redemption and healing that's come from brokenness when people embrace that sexual ethic. And so I think that's, that's right. It's, um, it's a way that, so that's maybe the cultural example. And then in our own lives, personally, the way this kind of relates to Psalm 145 and the sermon yesterday is we take those places in our lives where we're struggling to see the goodness of God. And we make that the whole story. Yes. And the whole point of Psalm 145 and yesterday's sermon was to don't ignore that. Don't pretend that's not there, but locate it in the actual story, in the bigger story. Absolutely. So good. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, yeah, I did, I did take a a little jab, I guess at Maxwell house yesterday too, I suppose with the, uh, (laughs) get to the last drop. Well, (laughs) as we were, as we've been doing this podcast, I have been having some of 
the coffee that was left over from yeah. yesterday, coffee time. And I would say that even day-old coffee that we serve here at Liberty is better than Maxwell it's House. It's better than Maxwell House. Yeah. Mm, okay. It's confirmed. We knew we would have a problem if we tried to serve Maxwell House at, <laughs> at, Liberty's, at Liberty's Coffee Hour. That would have gone over very poorly yes. with a number of our yes. folks. But yeah, just in light of this, um, I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, but just in your Bible study groups, I just would encourage you to maybe flesh out a little more that that what we were talking about here, the idea of how to how to help people feel and their circumstances to feel appropriately smaller while still entering into the things that they're struggling with and, and even, you know, um, and questioning and wrestling with and doubting. How do you enter into those things, but then help them locate that in the bigger picture of, of God's story? Yeah. And um, Bible study groups are a great place to do that. I mean, yeah. you know, in a Sunday morning with a hundred or so people in a room, that's challenging. But, you know, in a small group with people who you've gotten to know and are kind of walking through life with you, that's a great venue to be able to talk about those things, share those things and and uh, have some people enter into those kind of circumstances with you. That's right. That's right. Uh, the practical kind of thing there, too, would be for you know, find a way to feel small, find a way sometime in the next week to, I think typically being outdoors is helpful for that. I think being indoors and on screens is the utter enemy of feeling appropriately small. When we're on, when we're on screens, we do feel like we're at the center because we've got a control panel and we can, and you know, we get access to all the information in the history of the world at our fingertips now. So that's the, that's that formation that happens kind of always under the surface that makes us feel like we're more important. We're more at the center than we actually are. So I think getting rid of the the screens for a period of time, I think going outdoors as much as possible, even if you get to places where your vantage points are, are big and broad, whether it's mm-hmm. looking up at the night sky or looking out over a Vista at some place, yeah, I think yeah. those are, at least for me, um, those are tangible ways that remind me of my smallness. Um, so I would encourage folks to, to do that. And, you might have other good ideas that have been helpful for you to to both see your circumstances as significant, but also um, not the whole story. And uh, and if there's ways that you can help each other in your groups dive into that, that'd be great. Okay. Good. So this coming Sunday, a lot going on. It's actually the last Sunday of Easter. That's right. Uh, the seventh Sunday. Seventh Sunday. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, Family Worship Sunday. Yeah. So we'll get to enjoy that. Uh, There'll be uh, name amnesty Sunday. Name amnesty. Yep. So, name tags. Yep. yep. Name tags. That'll be great. So good. We had a yeah. We had a great day yesterday too with Covenant Entrance Day and yes. kids coming in from the gospel class. We just had some really good Sundays this spring between all the way back to February now with our tenth anniversary. Couple Covenant Entrance Days. It's been a lot of a lot of Sundays that I go home just you know grateful for uh, the ways I'm seeing God at work. Um, through our church and the lives of people. So oh, for sure. Yesterday was another another one of those. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, Bob, good to be with you today. Good to be back. Your semi regular appearances on the B side podcast. We'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you on again before too many weeks go by. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. Always nice to be here. I think we kept the baseball chatter to a minimum. We today, did. So. Yeah, we really did a good job yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, you can be working on your your shock jock uh, persona, <laughs> figuring out what uh, what provocative thing you want to you want to drop on here the next time you're on. There so. we go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Great to be with you this week. Blessings to you and your Bible study groups. And look forward to seeing you next Sunday or the next time we're all together. Take care, everybody. Blessings. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side Podcast. 
For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.